This is a hypothetically great podcast. This is Tech News for MBAs. I'm Professor Paul Canetti. It is Friday, April 8th, 2022. Happy Friday. Uh, It's been a productive week on my end. Did a workshop this week up at Columbia with a student organization around wireframing and prototyping. That was really fun. And we just announced my first online course, which is a partnership with Columbia Business School and Emeritus. And that is Customer Experience Strategy, a seven-week program that really goes deep on uh, customer experience broadly, and then also covers some of the stuff from my UX course as well. And so um, if you're interested, you can Google it or check it out in the show notes. Otherwise, I want to get right into this week's headline because it is truly the one thing that everybody is talking about this week, and it has to do with, of course, Elon Musk. Elon Musk went on a bit of a shopping spree and now owns almost 10% of Twitter. I can now claim that I am a co-investor with Elon Musk. We both own Twitter stock. The only difference is I own 0.000000, who knows, and he owns between 9 and 10% of the company. Now, was this planned out? Did he tell anyone at Twitter in advance? Were they taken by surprise? Who knows? He spent about $3 billion on this little shopping excursion which to you might sound like a lot of money. But keep in mind that Elon Musk is the richest person on earth. He is worth just shy of $300 billion, which means that he spent about 1% of his net worth on this. So just imagine whatever your own situation is, what 1% would be, Could you live with the remaining 99%? Would you even really notice if 1% disappeared? And so it's a lot of money, but on a relative scale, it's not that crazy, which of course is crazy to say when you're talking about $3 billion. By the way, if you're curious, Forbes has this awesome uh, real-time billionaire calculator that updates net worth based on stock prices, things like that. And uh, just looking at it right now, so this is live as of Friday morning, we've got Elon Musk at $276.5 billion. That's his net worth. Then the number two is Jeff Bezos at 181.8. So think about this. There's a $100 billion difference between Musk and the next highest, which is Jeff Bezos, uh, then following, if you go down the list, you know, Bill Gates, 134 billion, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, 80 billion, and Jack Dorsey, who of course is pertinent to this conversation down there at $7.5 billion. So richest man on earth, big Twitter user, 
uses Twitter like a suspicious amount of time during the day. He's like the most productive person on the planet and also is just like trolling on Twitter all the time. Um, And now he's decided that he wants to own a big piece of that company and to have influence over that company because a couple of days later, it was announced by CEO Parag Agarwal, that's Twitter CEO, uh, that Elon Musk was also going to be joining the board of directors of the company. So instead of just being a passive investor here, he clearly wants to have a literal seat at the table and uh, to be able to wield some influence over this company. So as far as reactions go, the employees at Twitter, uh, I think there's a mixed bag, but some certainly have concerns. So they've scheduled an ask me anything session for employees with Elon Musk. That should be interesting. Uh, Jack Dorsey, who just for comparison's sake, I think owns about 2% of Twitter still and recently stepped down as CEO of Twitter. Uh, He supports Elon Musk publicly. He said he thinks it's great for the company. And, um, you know, again, Elon uses Twitter a lot and he's known for sort of these risque, uh, very meme-oriented posts. He makes his own memes, he reposts memes, but he's really like into meme culture and into internet culture. And he actually understands Twitter. He's like a native to the platform. And for a while now, but especially in the past few weeks, he's been complaining about uh, the lack of venues for free speech on the internet and that even somewhere like Twitter has content moderation and censorship. And that even though technically, as we've covered on the show to some length, you know, these are private companies in the sense that Uh, the First Amendment protects you against censorship from the government, not censorship from Twitter. That's not a constitutional right, even though a lot of people get that wrong. But if on the internet, there really is no such thing as the public square. Imagine you had a town where every single square inch of the town was privately owned. What does it mean to have free speech in public in that town? And that's basically what the internet has become. Like there's nowhere to go that is public and therefore is protected. And Elon Musk was sort of hinting at the fact that maybe he should go build a Twitter competitor that uh, really is open to full free speech. Now, of course, that's as if this has not been attempted. Um, One of the very first episodes we ever did on this podcast was about Parler the right-wing leaning uh, open free speech platform that was supposed to challenge Twitter and then was taken down after the January 6th uh, attack and was even removed from not only the app stores, but even from its hosting provider, Amazon Web Services. And they like never take down anything. They're usually just kind of too deep in the stack. Um, Donald Trump and his new media company recently launched a Twitter competitor called Truth, which is supposed to also, you know, uh, kind of chase the same dream of free speech. These projects tend to be right-leaning, which is also interesting because if you think of uh, an institution like the ACLU that would be considered left-leaning, they were the ones historically that are really fighting for 
free speech. So politics aside, um, this seems to be a vote for Twitter itself versus competing with Twitter, kind of if you can't beat them, join them, where Elon Musk is saying, you know what, I do have these issues and I want to actually make this happen. We've got something good going here at Twitter. Let's see how we can make it better. So that, of course, begs the question, is this better? So the second part of that question or the follow-up question there is like better for who? So first, let's start with the company itself, the shareholders of Twitter. Is this good for the business? Well, let's look at Elon Musk's track record. Now, that being said, this is, you know, just a point of reference. Elon Musk is not becoming the CEO of Twitter, although there's certainly some speculation that he might want to take that on. Wouldn't be the first time Twitter had a part-time CEO. Of course, Jack Dorsey famously ran Twitter and his other company, Square, which has now since been renamed to Block for a really long time. Um, but Elon Musk also has so many companies that like, would anyone even notice if he was running Twitter? But let's just look at some of his other companies, right? Tesla, worth a trillion dollars. And their share price has gone up a thousand X over the past five years. Compare that to Twitter, which is worth about $39 billion. And their stock has gone up 30% over that same five-year period. Then, of course, you can look at SpaceX, which is uh, the second most valuable private company in the world. Number one is Stripe, which we talked about last season. Uh, SpaceX valuation as of last fall was north of $100 billion and presumably maybe is even more now. Not to mention some of his previous hits, like you might forget that he was one of the founders of PayPal, just in case you want you know, a software company to use as a comp here. So typically it seems like things that Elon Musk touches turn to gold, so that's good. Now, is this good for users? I am an avid Twitter user. Uh, in general, the Twitter product is very slow to improve. One of the first things Elon Musk did this week was tweet out a poll of whether people wanted an edit button or not, giving you the ability to edit a tweet after you'd already tweeted it. Um, this has been a long requested feature. The results of the poll don't even matter, although the vast majority obviously voted for yes. It's more like a signal to the community, like I'm going to get you guys that edit button. Um, besides the technical burden of introducing something like that to such a big uh, service like Twitter, it also maybe was on purpose, right? As a product leader, it's not about whether you can build a feature, it's whether you should build a feature? And do you want people to be able to tweet something, then for that tweet to be retweeted and liked and sort of, you know, spread throughout the world? And then at any time you can edit what it says, right? So you've already retweeted my tweet, presumably because you wanted to retweet what it said originally. And now after the fact, I can go and edit it and you might not realize that. And all of a sudden you've retweeted something, who knows what? Um, that you didn't mean to retweet or want to retweet. So 
who knows about the edit button, but I do think in general for users, this is good because it means there's going to be attention on Twitter and there's going to be uh, just some new pressure to make things better. Now, of course, that depends on your definition of better. When we zoom out a little bit and we think about not only is this good for the individual users, but is this good for society? Uh, so much of the conversation is happening around Twitter. Politicians use Twitter to make their announcements, um, to communicate with one another. Uh, corporations, for instance, uh, Tesla doesn't even have a PR department. It's just Elon Musk on Twitter. Um, and so is it good for society to open things up more and tone down on the content moderation. Well, you know, if you are the sort of person that gets a lot of abusive language thrown at you, you're probably not going to be that happy about this. Um, or if you want to be able to browse without seeing all sorts of explicit or harmful uh, content, violence, um, who knows, right? There's a lot of effort that goes into sort of curating that experience that, yes, is sort of clamping down on free speech, unbridled free speech, um, but there's a benefit to the user experience. And actually, just in the last year, as Twitter has really sort of cleaned up its act and put a lot of energy into this concept of content moderation, which sometimes is called censorship, they're kind of two sides of the same coin, advertisers have flocked, pun totally intended, to Twitter because now it's a safer place to advertise and their advertising revenue is up almost 40% year over year. It's a huge boon to Twitter's bottom line uh, is the fact that advertisers are comfortable advertising there. Since the real-time nature of a completely free speech network is kind of precarious, you might not want your ad up against just whatever comes out of whoever's mouth at any given time. Um, and so you want to have, you know, sort of this idea that my advertisements are going to be placed next to high quality content. Now, could you mess with Twitter's business model where maybe it doesn't rely on advertising as much? Maybe. And maybe that is one of the requirements if you want to open up free speech. Uh, maybe there are other ways to generate revenue. Who knows? It's also worth mentioning Blue Sky. Blue Sky is a project that was founded from within Twitter, which is under works, to create a decentralized version of Twitter, where Twitter, the company, the long-term prospect is could basically be one version of Blue Sky is the Twitter that we know and love, but that other people could build other Twitters, basically other sort of social tools that are different, that allow for different rules, that have different content moderation policies, um, that have different algorithms, that have who knows, uh, and that they wouldn't be owned or controlled by any entity, including not Twitter, the corporation. And so we've talked a lot on this podcast about decentralization as a concept, and this is something unsurprisingly, that was sort of brought about by Jack Dorsey's leadership. Um, I would be curious to see if Elon Musk sort of starts to concentrate more seriously on Blue Sky and moves that along faster. There are lots of potential solutions to this supposed problem, but uh, it'll be very interesting to see sort of where he decides to throw his weight 
once he gets up to speed on all of the possibilities. As far as my own personal take, by the way, for what it's worth, I'm a longtime Twitter user. I am a Twitter shareholder. Uh, I am a member of society. So I fit, you know, the role of all of these different stakeholders that we've been talking about. I feel really excited about this. I think that um, while it's just sort of a very scary, for lack of a better word, reminder that rich people can basically just do whatever they want and meddle wherever they want. Um, Most do it a little more behind the scenes, I think. He just sort of does it out in front, which is why it seems so glaring. Uh, But it's a good reminder. You know, if you're the richest person on earth and you don't like something, you can just buy it. Um, And uh, that, you know, hopefully will be used for good, but sort of puts everybody in a precarious situation if that's just like how the world works. That being said, again, what he touches typically turns to gold. Um, What he touches typically gets a lot of attention. And I feel the way that I think a lot of hardcore Twitter users feel, which is that we should be bigger than we are. Twitter should be generating more revenue than it is. Twitter should be worth more than it is. It is providing sort of an outsized value to the world than it is realizing in dollars and cents and in users. You know, Twitter has, I think, 200 million active users, and that's pretty static. Like, it's not really growing uh, for the past few years. And that doesn't make any sense to me because I think Twitter is like the epicenter of the internet. Um, And so, yeah, I'm just excited for a spotlight to be on Twitter and to see what could come of it. So I guess we'll all find out. By the way, if you're on Twitter, follow me at Paul Canetti. We can continue the conversation there. I'll see you next time on Tech News for MBAs. This is a really good podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs>